Welcome to For Fintech's Sake, your somewhat trusted fintech news source. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. As usual, I'm joined by my co-anchor, the one and only Lindsay Davis, to help us unpack the quickly shifting state of overdraft fees. Ironically, our conversation on overdraft fees is a bit overdue. We recorded a couple weeks ago after Ally announced that they're doing away with overdraft fees, so a couple of the date references may seem just a tad off, but it's one of the most important topics in fintech today, so we still had to share. So with that little caveat, to the news. Lindsay, how are we doing? I'm ready to be drafted. How about you, Zach? I'm ready to be drafted, but not overdrafted. Not overdrafted. These are just bad jokes. We might have to cut these out. All right. So we got news. We're one week behind on our news a little bit because we've been so busy. We have these day job things. Lindsay, you were at FinTech Meetup this week. How was that before we get to the news to the news? It was it was awesome. Sensory overload a bit. I was up pretty late last night, but I met 30 new incredible people. And the goal of every first meeting, of course, is to get the second meeting. And the goal of every first meeting here is to get the second one IRL longer than 15 minutes. So I'm pumped. I've, I've got a couple new friends. I love it. And you actually saw people in person this week I a did. couple of times. I saw, I saw half of our advisory board members last night. You know, fintech was never dead, but it's certainly in full force here in New York. Well, you Come can, can, yeah, I was going to say, you can consider <laughs> me jealous sitting here in Kansas City doing research about overdraft fees. So what the hell happened? What happened two weeks ago? What 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 is this craziness? Ally eliminates overdraft fees. I didn't even know yeah. overdraft fees still existed. I thought we, we fintechers got rid of those. They roughly accounted for $11.7 billion of revenue for the banks last year. That was, and that was 2020? 2020. And if you look at the top banks, so Wells, JP Morgan, Citi, Chase, they combined accounted for 4 billion of that. So Americans are still getting overdrafted. And even though we've seen the rise of challenger banks, you've got the likes of China that have over 12 million account holders. There are still people out there that are still getting 35 to $45 overdraft fees as a result of maybe, you know, having insufficient funds or bills not aligning with payday. That's something obviously we're extremely passionate about fixing, but it's still a huge problem. And so Ally Financial is one of the first to move to a zero overdraft fee model in terms of a marquee bank. We know that that's obviously table stakes in challenger bank land, but it's one thing that, you know, could move others. So let's, let's do some prog, some prognosticating, some, uh, some crystal balling. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back and read a quote that you actually put out into the world in 2019 that you were quoted in a CNBC article. It says people are putting money behind startups because they believe there's another way to monetize the customer base. CB insights. Davis says that's you, but these customers want access to high yield savings accounts. I do believe we've seen that play out this year. And they don't want to be overdrafted. Dun, dun, dun. Lindsay with the crystal ball. So that was 2019. This just happened. And while it is great news, right? One of the things you and I were kind of slacking back and forth about talking about previously is Ally only made $5 million in overdraft fees. It wasn't a big money maker for them. No, they make they monetize in other ways. It was an easier decision for them than potentially someone who has had a, you know, letter from Congress written to them recently, Mr. Diamond, who mm-hmm. there are still are some, some fees there. So what do you see as the future? Like, do you think that these big banks will follow this trend or do you think we're going to see this for a while longer? Well, JP Morgan 
was 12.5% of that overdraft in terms of how much they collected. So $1.5 billion. So that's not something that is going to be as easy as giving up $4 million, but they're going to have to move in the direction of consumers and consumers are not going to keep paying 35 or $45 overdraft fees when there's so many options on the market. Yeah. I mean, damn right. I mean, you look at like Dave, you look at Cushion, you look at some of these companies that are literally built around the idea of overdraft fees and eliminating them or paying them back. And they're, I don't think Cushion's a unicorn at this point. I actually have no idea what their valuation is, but Dave very clearly is right. That little the, bear is a really track. big bear yeah. on the SPAC track. Exactly. Them, Acorns, Money Lion, all of them have a $0 overdraft fee product. That is table stakes in FinTech. You can't be charging people for, for services that you're not rendering. Yeah. And it's weirdly, it's weirdly table stakes throughout different portions of kind of like the forward thinking digital economy, I think, right. There's like NBKC didn't have overdraft fees. One of the reasons I'm still a customer there is my little community bank that I used to work for down the street doesn't have overdraft fees. And I also think that no, at all. No, there's none. No, No hair on that deal. No hair on that deal. Where's no. that asterisk exactly. telling me there's terms and conditions I need to comply with in order to get access to that? I mean, Wells Fargo certainly does have that product, but you have to put money in a savings account and it can't dip below a certain amount. My mind is currently $300. But the funny thing is if you accidentally dip into that money and need to use it in case you overdraft, because I have, and that's possible, they don't replenish that money in the savings account. So if the savings account is below $300, you'll get hit with the checking account fee. But that's one of those things that someone like me will just like call them and complain or walk into a physical branch pre-COVID and be like, absolutely not. I've been a customer since I was 12. But still the, the fact that that happens to someone that is, I mean, it's not like you're making minimum wage over here, right? Like I'm not no. saying you're the wealthiest person in the world, but we're both doing, I think, okay. And I think we've both probably been Blessed, hit with yeah. overdrive fees within, you know, the past couple of years within times where if ACH we were, it didn't align with, exactly. I, was moving, I was moving money and I was sweeping money into a robo account that had a high yield savings product because they didn't have it that it just happens. It's interesting to think about how the, the FinTech eating the world kind of the idea of, of everything becoming a bank of a lot of these SaaS services that have classically like the honey books of the world, the squires of the world, a lot of these companies that are just kind of serving this group of kind of rabid fans, but haven't yet gotten into banking, they're also making this table stakes, right? I was, I was reading through uh, <laughs> this, this thing that you and I do together actually makes me much, much smarter. I was reading through the, the JP Morgan year uh, annual letter Loved and it. the third kind of main, one of the, the third main point was banks, enormous competitive threats from virtually every <laughs> angle. The first thing on there is banks are playing an increasingly smaller role in the financial system. That blew my mind to hear him admit that. I know he had said that fintech's a threat before, but the idea that banks themselves are playing less of a role, I would think that something like that would push them in the direction of okay, fine, we'll let that, you know, 1.4 billion or whatever it is exactly go in the hopes of a bigger business in the future and maybe actually like doing the right thing. And it was also the first time that he woke up to demographics that they've been ignoring. It was the first time we mentioned Latinx and building products and services for marginalized consumers versus companies, which we've had on the podcast, Welcome Tech. They've been here. That was 
core to their thesis. They recognize that. Um, we've talked to a couple of companies at, at the FinTech Meetup actually that are also working on products and services to bring marginalized consumers into banking products. Because again, you're contributing to the economy and you're here on a you know legal green card. Why can't you have access to a bank account because you don't have a social security number? I can go into your employment. I can go into your payroll system. I can see that you're an employed person. I can see that you have a steady income stream. And if you're working at Goldman Sachs, like you've clearly gone through a background check. Yeah, yeah, and you've you've probably proven yourself to be a, a positive addition to society. I think at the very least, right? Like there's immigration in general. I think is a positive addition to society. But if you're talking about that level, I mean, how how are we not allowing a easier on ramp into the financial system? It it blows my mind. But that's what that's what we're here to talk about, right? We're here to spotlight these pain points in the in the gaps in the financial system that still exist today. Like they're very much real. And for anybody that finally had to give up the, the physical bank branch, like and start to use the digital services, they recognized there was a huge gap. Like even if it was a core customer for like a target customer for a JP Morgan or a Wells Fargo, like if their digital services weren't up to snuff, consumers were taking to the phones calling, complaining. And finally, all of them have been like, we need to really accelerate this digital transformation thing. Yeah. Googling, trying to find the right app thing and then doing some payroll switching thing over to this other thing and doing yeah. the doing doing the thing that we do when we're trying to solve a problem in our lives. Digital account opening. I mean, that was just, there was a boot that just that adoption alone was wild. Just kind of speaking of community banks again, I had uh, Nathaniel Harley from uh, Mantle on, I think I'm losing yeah, track exactly of time, but thinking. it was like yes. a month ago and they're growing like wildfire. Just the fact that they're helping community banks do what this world of fintech is doing in some way, shape or form. And they're just absolutely booming. Because that was the first pain point. I think that if you look at what happened when the economy shut down, banks had this digital transformation roadmap and anything that didn't solve for that immediate pain point, like I now have to move all of my traffic from in branch to online and I have to do KYC remote and I have to be able to open the account and I have to be able to digitize the documentation. They're not going to come sit in here and fill this out. And then they're not going to print out their switch direct deposit form and then send it to someone in HR because that person's not going to be able to physically walk over to HR. Those were like the things that got done finally. Um, and you saw it, especially within the mortgage industry, of course, as well. Like you can't go in and sign this thing and have a wet signature on it. And it was for notarized and for the companies doing digital notary, big, big unlock for them. And ultimately consumers are the winner, right? Like we don't, we don't want to do that stuff. But you are, you are stressing out some of our community bank listeners. So just so, just so that the community bank listeners know, so the bankers know it's not too late. You can still do this. Just go call Mantle. It's not just one size fits all. Again, we say this for, for consumers when we talk about neobanks. It is not one size fits all in terms of your tech stack. Like all of the things that you want to do as a, a community bank or where you are, where your consumer is. Like we always say like neobanks should serve the customer base that they're targeting and add the services and features that they need. If you're in debt, like massive amounts of student debt, do you need to be investing in crypto right away? No, it's a <laughs> interest rate versus earnings depends on where you are in the markets. Anyways, the point being the same should go for the community banks thinking about their infrastructure. Digital account opening might not be a tier one solution because they have something in place today, but implementing a modern core, which is something I talked about with a couple credit unions at the FinTech meetup this week. And they were just curious to know, like, how does your service work with these cores or how does the ecosystem of things I should be thinking about impact these immediate pain points that my consumers are having today. Speaking of cores, one of the things that I've been most 
confused about but intrigued by in this whole thing was the Fed suspending the uncollateralized intraday credit limits. I didn't really know that the Fed could, I guess, waive overdraft fees themselves on the banks. Like I've never thought of the idea that the banks could even have an over, I guess it's an oversimplification and probably not the correct term, but a bank to have an overdraft fee with the Fed. I haven't been as close to the details of that, but would you think the Fed is going to essentially eliminate the overdraft fee on the banks? Why can't the banks then do the same thing for their own consumers? It's sort of, I think that that's kind of what is missing here. How do you get other mass industry adoption? You need somebody with a bigger stick to say, this is, this is best in class. Like this is the way forward. And JP Morgan getting a letter certainly is, you know, makes a headline, but is it going to make Jamie Dimon move? Probably not. But one of his contenders doing such going to zero overdraft fee, that could really make them all move. And that was what that quote was really about. Cause you're looking back at 2019, that was when um, the zero brokerage model really took off with the big ones. And ultimately as a result in, in the spring, when COVID happened, there was massive trading volumes. So anybody that had a zero trade fee model really saw account opening surge. And there was also some outages at a couple of places because the volume was so incredible, but ultimately like that thinking of, I am hooked on these fees today, there's another way to monetize. And if they had still had that fee structure in place, they would have missed out on all that consumer acquisition, all that trade volume, things that are really what they should have been monetizing to begin with. And some of some of the overdraft fees just subsidize what, what we get as credit card rewards holders. Oh, that's, yeah, I've never really thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't, what, JP Morgan, It really does Well, no, I mean, it, it makes sense from the point of view of like, if Arbitrage. you think about it in a spreadsheet. Yeah, if you think about it in a spreadsheet, it makes sense. If you think about it in logic and actually doing the right thing for a consumer, absolutely not. It makes no sense, but that's not what big banks are known for. So why would we expect them all of a sudden to do that? Because that's what consumers want. If you just listen to them, they don't want to be overdrafted. Um, I thought about this the other night where if I could give my points to somebody that was about to overdraft something in a way to prevent that thing, that bad thing from happening, I, I sit on points. I don't know really how to use them, to be honest. I just get them. I want to give them. It's not charity. It's literally, I don't want to see that consumer. Just give me less points. Stop competing on points and just help consumers help like give me the option if somebody's at the gas station and they have to get gas and they're about to overdraft their bank account if i could just give them the points or cover that overdraft for them i think that would be just an incredible viral feature that millennials and gen z because they care very deeply about people would be hooked on and something that they have access to do why do we always demonize jp morgan so much why does like why is a because they have 3.2 trillion dollars of assets <laughs> They, yeah, but so is B of A that much smaller? Like, why is Brian Moynihan not getting a getting a letter? Two point three trillion. Okay, what's a trillion here and a trillion there in our modern economy, though? Right? I mean, we're we're printing that daily. It's probably the GDP of a smaller country, but that's okay. That's just that's that's not the point. Um, it's because they make such big bold statements, and then they do things that don't necessarily tie to helping customers. The letter speaks about consumers, helping consumers, building products and services that bring marginalized consumers into the market, but they don't follow that. Their actions don't follow their promises all the time. 
do you think some getting back to the prognosticating over the next five years, kind of those bigger four or five banks, do you see one of them stepping up and doing this? Or do you think that we're going to, yes, they'll monetize another way. They'll find, they'll find a way to fee you. They just can't fee this. I mean, that's the thing about allies. I, I have an ally checking account. I have an ally auto loan and all of their, I mean, if you look at their earnings statement, like the auto business is the booming piece of the whole thing. And like we said, I mean, it's 5 million bucks, which to them is not, you know, which most of these banks of that size is not really anything to care too much about, which is wild, but they're, their do it right commitment. I think it's just interesting the way that they're like actually following through and now people are talking about it and yeah, maybe, maybe that maybe ally bank is the Robin hood of overdraft fees where they're actually going to push the rest of the industry in that direction. I have no clue, but dear God, I hope so. Cause I think it's the last I think it's like the last, one of the last bastions of just predatory lending, right? Like if you think of, if you think of it, if you think of an overdraft fee as basically a payday loan, you know, which it is, it's just payday loan of a different, of a different name. Like, dear God, I hope that we move in that direction. I hope it's, I hope it's not theater. Corporate innovation theater. Yeah. It it won't be. It's a hopeful future that we have, I think, as far as this goes. And I mean, maybe they end up, you know, acquiring a cushion, acquiring a Dave. That would be hilarious. I thought about this back in the day, Wells and Chime had gotten together. The brands of the two businesses, they're just so different. It would be really tricky to integrate the culture of a fast growing consumer first startup with a bank that has a lot of layers and has not always done the right thing by consumers. If we're at a point where, you know, banks are playing an increasingly smaller role in the financial system is one of the top line things that they're saying in an annual shareholder letter, like, and FinTech and big tech are here, dot, 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 big time exclamation point. That's from a bank annual shareholder letter with an exclamation freaking point. That's <laughs> crazy. Well, Jamie Dimon has been saying this for years, though. He's been he's been noting that Silicon Valley is going to eat our lunch. They did try, right? They've got Finn. After a year, they shuttered it. They finally rolled out a robo-advisor. They're trying to fast follow on some of the features versus my, you know, charity of points product. Like, think about where your consumers are at today and what is making them agitated. Like, what is com- creating complexity in a system that clearly does not exist when you think from zero to 15 minutes, I can be KYC'd in a Dave app and have a new account. And you also think about it. I think when you're signing up for something like that, like I think about like Money Lion as an example, right? Like when they had the SPAC, there was more attention on them than there had been previously. And folks were like, Hey, this is predatory. Right. But it's, it's a membership that allows you for a certain set of services that if you can pay that monthly membership, you don't calculate the APR. You don't think of it that way. And in some, I mean, the, there, there, I don't know, there's some parallels there. I don't really know what they are exactly, but thinking about this new like membership thing in the FinTech world that allows you to overdraft with small dollar loans, basically it's income smoothing. It's just income smoothing. Like payday does not align with, with bill pay. Yeah. I mean, or branch and many, many, many others would not be a thing. Like the cash flow issue here is probably the biggest thing that's driving all of it. Right. I mean, even with the federal stimulus and everything else, 
the overdraft fees were still up in 2020 compared to 2019. That part is upsetting because banks were told not to charge people overdraft fees. There's moratoriums in place on student debt. There's, you know, cannot evict your your residents if they can't pay their rent. Well, we got to keep an eye on it, I think. I think as the world of fintech continues to eat the world and quote, banks are playing an increasingly smaller role in the financial system and fintech and big tech are here big time. We have to keep an eye on these things. We have to keep the news going. And despite being a couple of weeks late on this, I'm glad that we dug into it. And I think it's a, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I think that this, despite, you know, being $5 million or whatever, it's a big, it's a big move by a big brand. And, and to your point, I, I hope that this does turn into something where we see fast followers in the big banks and fast followers, even in the smaller banks. It's a watershed moment for the industry, whatever the size and scope of it is, it, it matters because those customers of ally now truly feel like they have a financial ally. And that's really what banks should be doing, protecting consumers, protecting you and me. That's what they were built to do. That's a beautiful, inspirational and punny note to end on. You're just the queen of puns. The, they're you're truly a financial ally. You, I, I think like five times that a week, I get a pun. I, you're an accidental pun master then. Cause like six times a week, I get slacks from you that are just the punniness, punniness thing in FinTech. And you're just on top of the puns. And you're on top of the pod. <laughs> Until next week. <laughs> Good to see you, Zach. You too, Lindsay. As always, thank you for listening to For Fintech's Sake, your somewhat trusted news source. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and all the other things I'm supposed to remind you to do in your favorite podcast app as the responsible news host that I am. And if you want our weekly-ish emails, go to forfintechsake.com and subscribe there. Until next week.